dedicated to reviews and discussion of TV, movies, and books. Look for us at Daily Review on Facebook and Twitter and dailyreview.com on the web. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. This is Paul Daly here with my wife, Caroline. Hey, guys. And today we're here to discuss the fourth, can you believe it's already the fourth episode of the second season of Hulu's Handmaid's Tale. This one is called Other Women, or no, The Other Women. The Other Woman? I think the other woman. Other woman? Yeah, other woman. Boy, now you're making me wonder. Other woman, I believe. Good night, Irene. I have it as other women. Other Other women. women. Yes. Okay. The flashbacks give us what I presume to be the most straightforward interpretation of the title. I believe so, yes. So if you guys remember that... June was with Luke uh, throughout the majority of our story here. And Luke, however, was in a previous relationship when he started up a relationship with June. And this time we actually get to cross paths with Luke's wife. Her name is Annie, and she believes that the relationship still is, is salvageable. Did she come to June's workplace? Or- I think so, yeah. That's what it looked like. Yeah. It was a very like Jolene moment. Like, I know you can have my man, but just like back off. Like, I, just don't don't take him. Just walk away and give me a chance. And, you know, the most curious thing about those types of situations, like Dolly Parton basically pointed out, was that, you know, if in fact June had said to Luke, I, I don't want to continue this, I'm going to leave. Chances are pretty good Luke would have gone back to Annie. Hmm. At least for some period of time. Would it have worked out long term? Who knows? But would he have like probably made a little more effort with Annie or paid a little more attention to Annie? Probably. Didn't work for Jolene. <laughs> Didn't work for Annie. I don't know. No, Jolene was the was the June of the sitch. Oh, Jolene was the yeah, June? The Dolly was pleading with Jolene to oh. please just walk away. Yeah. Jolene's never walk away. Yeah, no, not a Jolene. Hell no. Jolene's are known for their antics. (laughs) So after public humiliation, the other flashback is, must be years later, after Hannah's born, did you get that Annie saw them and then just ran away? Oh, yeah. Or or Annie had kind of been on their trail, maybe got caught looking and then ran away? No, I took it like that she looked over and saw June with a baby and then took off. Oh, okay. I mean, because remember, babies are few and far between. Hannah was still little. And so she would have still been, you know, an oddity at that moment. Right. So, yeah, no, that's how I took it, that Annie saw her and took off. Now, I did like that phone call. It, it, It exposed so much about Luke that he was going on that tirade about, you know, you leave her alone and you don't call her and you deal with me if you have a problem. And she's like, oh, my God, did you just hang up on her? And he's like, well, it was her voicemail. 
Ah, that was very Luke. It is so Luke that he would be so brave to not, to a voicemail message. That's like exactly how I think of him. Especially he's yelling at her that she's a coward for for confronting June, and it's like, P.S. You're confronting the voicemail. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he said things that can't be unsaid now, but yeah, it wasn't to the person. Which it definitely wasn't. Doesn't, to the doesn't quite person. count the same. Right, right, right. Partial credit. Partial credit for Luke, which is kind of, he is Luke partial credit. Right. It'll be interesting to see, you know, where his whole deal kind of works out. Is is June going to have to save herself a hundred percent? And then he's just going to be like, hey, I've got these roommates, uh, but you can move in. Or or is he going to actually be a part of- uh, Of like a rescue mission? Something. I have no idea. I mean, I I did hear there during this, this episode, during that man- a uh, shower, whatever you call it, man baby shower, whatever that thing is. It's sort of like a bachelor party for a man having a baby, um, which is, I mean, hey, he's having that baby as much as Serena Joy is, really. Um, it is equal pregnancy. So it really yes. is equal. Um, that Fred was uh, was commenting that he was planning on going to Canada, it sounded like. And so I don't know. I would love to think that there is some amount of chance that we could have some Moira, Luke, Waterford encounter. I don't know how that would happen or exactly how it would happen, but I can't believe that they would have the Waterfords go to Canada and not have some sort of crossing of paths. Certainly there's got to be a protest or something. The idea with that scene that she's talking about is that everybody is having a shortage of everything. So even Canada, who is dealing with our refugees and probably thinks that Gilead is a bunch of shitheads, still needs trade partners and we're the closest or Gilead is the closest one. Well, and that apparently, you know, by the sounds of things, we've been there's been sanctions on Gilead, basically. And so, you know, they're they're going to try to jockey for favor, do something to to get those taken apart. I don't know. I mean, oh, my God, the idea that Waterford's actually leaving. It just seems like someone killed them while they're gone. (laughs) You know, like, I mean, they're they're so bold, like people know this like bizarro situation on some level because people are refugees. So people have come out and told what's happening. More more would be able to say like these two people, wouldn't they be grabbed up on like war crimes? Not when you're traveling as diplomats. No. Damn, dude. I would snag their asses. No. Sniper fire, Paul. Sniper fire. No, you know, accidents do happen. Accidents absolutely happen. Oh my God. Let's rewind back to the beginning of the episode. Okay. Could they have staged her re-breaking any more dramatically than with the re-tagging of the ear? No, I, I think it was so awful. It was so visceral to have that punch sound, you know, and see her ear and everything. No, it was, sounded awful. Absolutely awful. They set up this entire episode in this June versus Offred structure where it was like, you know, June could be the scapegoat for things and Offred could still be this really good uh, following the rules person. And so it was interesting how this entire episode was a lot about giving outs to this situation. Going back to our podcast a couple episodes ago, you might recall that it's our theory, at least my theory, that the people like Lydia and the commander are so steeped in their own bullshit, they do believe that entities like Offred 
can exist and be happy just because they're with the program and the program's a good program. So, you know, you can be happy as long as you're with the program and offered with by being on the program. Right. By the transitive property of bullshit, you are then happy. Bullshit. Yeah. And I think I think it is the idea of submitting. You know, I mean, there is something to the idea of, you know, you can keep pulling the chain or you can like let it go lax. And it's yes, you are still chained, but it's not choking your neck actively. And that's kind of what I feel like the June offered stitch is. And and again, there's so many things as we're gonna talk about this episode, there was so much fallout from June trying to escape that by being able to scapegoat the character of June and instead embrace Alfred, she can unload a lot of guilt. I don't know if you noticed these little filmmaking things in the in the very first section here, but it seemed to me that they were using a lens and, a, and angles and things that really exaggerated her her facial features. Yeah, like her angles for sure. So they put the camera right up in her face with the kind of lens that makes your nose just gigantic, right? Yes. And they also did something with the sound, it seemed, where especially when she was chained, that they made those chain sounds like Quasimodo chains. like Right, really like exaggerated. Real clanky, gigantic chain sounds just to make, I don't know, feel very disorienting and surreal, especially with the bulbous facial features and stuff like that. Just like, I can't believe I'm going through this again, kind of kind of thing. I yeah. Think. I do think it give you that effect of that funhouse mirror distorted everything. Like you're right. The sounds were too loud. The, the things were all strange. You, you and couldn't and- trust what you saw. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Very unfamiliar and yet recognizable, but not, you know, you just couldn't believe what you were looking at. We have Aunt Lydia welcoming Alfred back. June is not invited to hang around, but Alfred is welcome to stay. And in fact, this concocted story of Alfred being essentially kidnapped sort of by June, (laughs) right? Um, And taken away and all this had happened. And we are all just so grateful that Alfred is back. A clever fiction. For all the stuff that we've ever described that Lydia has to do, you know, running the stonings, running the Red Center. (laughs) She is everywhere. Fertility uh, dances or whatever. She's in those clinic appointment areas. Alfred is getting the personal touch here. This is probably Mm. very expensive for Gilead to have this going on. I would think so. And, you know, now it it appears that, that Lydia is actually going to have to... I don't know if she's living at the Waterfords, but she is like white on rice. <laughs> uh, full shizzle. Yeah. So she gets a trial run, right? At, yes. Back at the Waterfords. So the whole deal is that Alfred can have this opportunity if she puts on the dress and goes back to the Waterfords and behaves like, like they want her to. Right. Then she can hang out and have a relatively familiar life. If she would like to remain June, she is invited to stay on the floor, chained to her 71 flowered comforter situation in the middle of like the gymnasium. Until the day the pregnancy is over, after which time she will be put to death. Now, did you get the idea that if she becomes Alfred and goes to the Waterfords and has the baby, does she also get put to death or is it only June? Well, it's for sure June that she spelled out. She left it. Kind of open ended about Alfred. It was because an opportunity we, for life, right? We, yeah. Well, that's what I was betting was that 
you know, in these survival kind of stories, you just keep rolling the dice and betting on what keeps you alive the longest and just keep doing that. You, you know? Yeah, I think so. So that's, I think, the, the bet she made. But so she's she, not very enthusiastic. Well, who would be? My good God. With the under his eye. And she's like the, you know, bite my ass kind of responses. <laughs> like, ah. So she goes back to the Waterfers. They all are completely subscribing to this uh, kidnapping. Like, oh, it's so wonderful that you were saved. Saved by the kidnappers. However, uh, old SJ needs to have a little time where she chokes out the devil there for a minute. She is kind of psychotic, right? Uh, why would anyone give this woman a baby? She is going to kill that baby. Yeah. Babies are not like, they're not nice all the time. They do not be quiet when you want them to be quiet. They're not going to follow these freaking strict rules. She's going to have like She's a 12-year-old like, run in and choke her out for a little while and then go back. No. I don't think it's going to be, she's going to have shaken baby syndrome, man. I mean, she's going to lose her shit. That's not funny. Shaken baby is a bad deal, Caroline. Of course it's terrible, but it's not good to be choking June, Paul. That's my point. Is She's over there choking out the woman who's pregnant with the baby. I just don't see good things happening for this baby at all. Well, she let her oxygen flow return after mm. like a 30 second choking. <laughs> Jesus. What did you think about the scrub-a-dub-dub motion with uh, Lydia time? That's probably Elizabeth Moss's next Golden Globe, that scene even though you probably wouldn't play it during her reel on you know during oh, the ceremony. Oh, I kind of wish they would. Wouldn't that be amazing if they did play that scene? That'd really like shake things up there at the chicken dinner. That was some amazing stuff. So cause... if you guys didn't catch it, she, you know, Lydia tells her to basically scrub up downstairs and she does this thing where she stares into Lydia's eyes and you can hear this like scrapey <laughs> sound. It was a very harsh scrub. Yeah. We all decided that that is a clean cooch for sure. <laughs> Right. As a, that was a scene, a hot scene. Clean as a whistle. Uh, okay, so then how shocked were you at Rita just coming in in the night and just tossing those letters back at her? This is not related, but it reminded me of The Last Jedi being a sequel to another finished product. So the sequ se season two of The Handmaids is like The Last Jedi, where they took all the stuff that got done in the first season and threw it away and said, no, none of that stuff matters. We're doing something else. So escape from Gilead? Nope, we're not doing that. Um, handed off the letters to someone who could get them out? No, nope, they're not doing that anymore. So it just kind of reminded me of like, uh, put, yeah, putting us in like an even worse place than we thought. And it was confirmed that Mayday absolutely does not exist anymore either. So in addition to Rita saying like, you have no idea how bad it was when you were gone. Which the, that's when the guilt train really started rolling hard was when Rita was like, it was really bad when you were not here. Yeah. I was surprised that she didn't just like throw them away or something. And I don't know what that means because, of course, where would they go? I don't know. But I mean, just to just to make them go back to her and have them be her responsibility again was powerful. So all she could do is hide them again because now she doesn't know anybody and those that do were all severely punished. Yeah. So really, you don't have any idea who's going to keep a secret at this point because everybody's been broken on some level. Even Rita is like, fuck it. There's no drinking down in the kitchen with me anymore. No <laughs> way. So how shocked were you that Nick showed up during the barfy power drink morning breakfast? Very shocked because when... They showed us June's old room. She looks out the window 
And then she could see Nick's room and the little stairs and landing that go up to his door were all covered in leaves. It definitely implied that no one had been walking up and down those stairs. Nick had, I mean, he spent most of his time in the first season polishing that car. So you get the idea that he he keeps his shit pretty clean. Right. right? That's true. So, and plus, he would, yeah, so yeah, and plus the would... foot traffic would keep the leaves off. But still, I mean, is it suggesting that he's not actually living there? Like maybe he's living in punishment situation too? I think he, or... Well, I don't think he could possibly be living in a punishment situation and then bring him back to be in the same Waterford house. Like that's impossible. Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, he's he's connected, but to them, he's just a driver, and drivers are probably pretty interchangeable. So then, if he's still there, I don't—he could not have been caught in any way. Yeah, for sure, I don't believe so. So, all right. So then we have that whole like she's sort of trying to get his attention, and you know, sort of saying hi and stuff. They get that close up on Serena Joy, which was like dun dun dun. You do not want to see that face anymore. But then you had the bookend scene at the end where Nick is trying to get her attention. So we can really see the difference between how is she thinking at the beginning when she's barfing up her power drink versus how is she behaving by the end of this episode. And really, I think your best way to really measure that is by the scenes with Nick. She's kind of smiley, a little giddy, a little weird when she first sees Nick. By the end, she's ignoring him completely. Let's talk about this baby shower, Paul. What a fun party. Yeah, this had a lot of elements that looked like other things to me. So the women playing with the baby toys kind of reminded me of the the opening of Gone at the Wind uh, when they're having the big party and the women are just talking blithely about war and all these things that are going to be a very harsh reality for them in a very short amount of time. But they're just very like, you know, like it's not a big deal. Let's just worry about what I'm wearing today and dancing and stuff like not a big deal. So they have these women that in the wives in Gilead playing with the little popper toys and stuff like that. Right. It, It makes you understand why, um, Emily so easily killed that woman. I mean, she has bigger beefs, but still, this is what these women are like. Do you remember Emily killed the the wife at, in the colonies? Yes. And it makes so much more sense now because, you know, she probably had to put up with so much more of this kind of crap. It's a lesser crime than, than the holding down during the rape stuff, but it doesn't do you any favors either to, to be like, you sit over there and we're going to go play with the baby toys. And continuously talk to Serena Joy like she's the one who's pregnant and having the baby and and all this stuff. I mean, it was all so weird. You know, she's still very much June in this portion. And so she's she takes that opportunity to contradict Serena Joy about the fact that she felt the baby kicking last night. Not a solid move. Not a way that avoids further chokings. Oh, God, right? (laughs) Good night. Yes. So that led to Serena Joy totally wigging out after the party. And not not just about that, but also about Serena Joy or about June's comments that after Hannah's baby shower, they basically ended up giving away half of the stuff and none of that was acceptable information to convey. The other part of the, of the um, baby shower that stood out was the actual quasi religious looking binding. Yeah. But do you know what really, what stuck out to me about that 
it was this idea of, you know, they put uh, June's hand and then Serena Joy's hands on top and they took the string and they bound it together. The, what was interesting about that is that I would consider that they were almost like taking vows because like yeah. they would say something and she would say something. They would go back and forth, back and forth, which was interesting because the way that they interspliced the flashbacks, Annie, Luke's wife, was saying, we took vows. We have mm-hmm. vows and they mean something. And so I felt like that nice sort of like balance of those two places. It's like on one hand, June didn't respect those vows and look what happened. In many ways, people were hurt and whatever. And this is also a vow that they're basically making her take. And whenever she doesn't fall in line with these vows, people get hurt, you know? And, and I think it also her actions. And I think it also played into the title, the other women. So even though she's the actual same person, um this is like a different, I guess, incarnation. So we have like June, we have Offred, these are other women. And and then the idea of she's still not the woman married to the man and having the baby and all that kind of stuff like like that kind of generates that whole other woman oh yeah cliche yeah so she's still that person yet again even though it's institutionalized yeah you're completely right she is the other woman within fred and serena's life yeah yeah that totally makes sense i love that and that the handmaids in general are the other women Mm -hmm. yeah i totally love that even though it's by design and they're and they're basically at gunpoint still what it boils down to. Yeah. And there was an awful lot of conversation about how difficult this whole thing was for everyone. Like if you could uh, turn the camera, we are watching Cobra Kai right now. And so if you guys remember the Karate Kid story, we basically heard the entire Karate Kid story through Daniel LaRusso's eyes. And this one is told more through Johnny Lawrence's eyes, somewhat with LaRusso, but mostly through Johnny's eyes. In this, I feel like you could do a whole episode just through Serena Joy's eyes and you could try to understand how awful it is from her point of view of having this person who she feels like is so ungrateful and she's stuck with having a family this way and this this way that's so unnatural and and everything. And there there is a nice conversation between Lydia and Serena Joy where Lydia is trying to allay Serena Joy's fears basically and say like, this is hard for everyone. This is a hard time. Serena Joy's out there smoking, you know, and, you know, this is one of the hardest portions, basically when I think when probably when the baby starts kicking. And so now the handmaid is really starting to get bonded. And then the wife is now really like you can visibly see the pregnancy, but it's like not yours. Right. You know, yeah. all these things are happening and that this gets to be the most strained time. Although we know from Janine's birth, that actually birthing the baby and giving the baby over is also a rather difficult time. <laughs> right. There are no easy times in Gilead. I do not believe there are. What did you think about Lydia taking June for a walk there? Well, when I when I saw that we were headed down to the waterfront, uh, I knew it wasn't for a lack of available sets that day. You know, I was looking around for the dead people, but I thought they'd be just generic examples, not specific to june's story so i feel like this is definitely when there was like this flip over between like can i be june or can i be offered we had had the stage set right before they took off by the other handmaids saying that certain parts of what happened were not june's fault post um you know her trying to escape but basically insinuating obviously other parts were definitely her fault you know because they had said that the one girl got her tongue cut out because of what she said about Janine's stoning. And she's like, that's not your fault. 
that part. <laughs> and it's like, uh, so already she had sort of this simmering. And then, you know, Lydia takes her down to the water. And I did not exactly know who we were looking at until they started saying he was a bread truck delivery driver. And if you want to be very uh, mean to June about this, she was the other woman in that relationship, too. If you think about it. The man just because the man's dead doesn't it doesn't negate the fact that they still split them up and sent the the mom to the red center to become a handmaid and the kid to be adopted out to another family. Um, she broke up another family. She's like over <laughs> a, a home wrecker in, in like a very major league kind of way. Right. You know, you're exactly right. And I mean, and of course, that child, you know, she played fire trucks with that child. And that wife, she knows now that wife is going to be, you know, in her world. It makes me the fact that Annie Luke's ex crossed her path foreshadows to me that Econo wife is going to cross her path as a handmaid. Mm, gotta be. They always bring all the handmaids in for the birth. So wouldn't it make sense that when she was like having the baby, that that woman would be there? She was more interesting looking than a one episode person. I think that the the fact that they had Annie cross paths when she had the baby is like, oh, you're going to cross paths again with that woman, you know, mm. whose who's family you broke up, mm -hmm. you know? And so, yeah, I think that that's definitely coming how would you feel if you're June at this point with Lydia saying, listen, here's the deal. All this awful stuff happened. However, we can compartmentalize it and say all of that was June. Practically like split personality, like basically giving you the, the insanity defense. You were insane. You were June when that happened. And instead, you could walk clean with no one looking at you badly if you simply be offered. I noticed that she used the freedom from blame is what she said, but freedom from yeah. being one of the key elements of the whole handmade existence, freedom from certain responsibilities, in this case, freedom from blame related to the the, the quote unquote kidnapping, that kind of stuff. And, and all that had happened, the refusal of the stoning of Janine. Well, that was June, Paul. You know, all the moments that she that she did anything that broke anyone else's rules and resulted in anyone else getting hurt. That was simply June. So you asked me, what would I do if I was June? I think you know what I would do. I would lay so goddamn low. <laughs> You'd be slithering on your belly. Right. I would, and you'd be I like, would, call me Alfred, please. I would say their stupid words. I would, you know... Just play play the part until something rose to the top as an opportunity, but but not like I think I would you know like like Rick Grimes just after um, Negan kills all his friends he's he's very compliant there for several weeks and I I think you have to be I mean and I think in this particular case I mean beyond the the eminent threat you know like of like everything that's going on around you constantly. You now have your own demons that you're fighting that. I mean, that woman had her tongue cut out. You know, this man is dangling here. Another woman is going to be forcibly raped ritualistically. A, a little child lost his family. You know, all the things on and on and on and on that have happened that how could you possibly sleep at night unless you said, 
that was June. That wasn't me. I'm Alfred. Fucking that was June. A, that was right. June acting up. I mean, it, you have to do it. And I, I feel confident that like on our Facebook fan page, that's the Gilead online. If you guys hop up on there, I'm I'm positive there's going to be some dissenters on this about whether or not you should try to hang tight and be June and just keep fighting back about being June. But I honestly believe that no human being could withstand this level of guilt. It's too much. And it's and it's betting against your survival to keep standing up. You know, she she Lydia was not ambiguous about it. You do this. We're going to rip the baby out of your body and kill you just like that. And she doesn't want to be killed. She's not going to, she's not interested in being some sort of like political symbol or martyr or something like that. She just wants to live, find her own kid and get out of there. I think, again, if you look back to her own mom in the last episode and seeing that her mom was willing to be so vocal and go against everything, continue the abortion clinic, continue doing everything she did, even though it was against the common sense of that time, of the moment. Um, and then here you see her mom, you know lifting up those bags in the colony. So it's like they're really, there's no good way to think that you're getting out. And that's why we get the scene in the fireplace room where I put in my notes, June supplicates herself. That's what I think is happening there. She's on her knees. I think you could saying, say June officially becomes Offred. Yeah. She switches back. Yeah. That's the, she trades out the name on the, on the, on her office. Uh, yeah. June. June is out. Offered right. is in. Uh, on our email, it's like June is is off on vacation. Please right. follow. Please forward all emails to Offered. Basically. She's, she's now handling it. And that is what it takes for to get Lydia out of the house, at least. It seems like it, yeah. Like it seemed like it was actually happening. I was really surprised that everybody just sort of walked out. Well, and it's it was like, like no one really answered. It's just it's a, it was a lot like the rape ceremonies, right? Oh, very much where, so. where the whole household Rita has to be there Nick. watching and, you know, basically standing at like parade rest <laughs> watching yeah. this, this event unfold. Well, it's crazy how much that they sort of like strangely interconnect everyone. Like how Serena Joy was pissed about what um, June had said at the baby shower. So she slapped Rita. Like one is not connected to the other. Like what, what the hell, you know, like, why did you do that? You know, but then I know, yes, they are. I mean, of course, June doesn't want to see free to get slapped around. So she's going to temper herself. So I felt like they were all involved as weird as it was that they were all standing in there. They were all involved, you know, since they can't generate very many natural children, they still have a warped sense of how to create a family. Yeah, it's like, well, if we just stick you all together and make you do a bunch of very weird shit together, you'll bond. <laughs> you'll bond. <laughs> right, right. You know what I also thought? By making her kneel in front of the fireplace. Have you ever like sat on a on a fireplace hearth when the fireplace is going? Yeah, it gets hot pretty quick. How hot is your back? How how much do you feel like you're forced against the flames? In this case where she's kneeling. With her back right next to the fireplace, I would feel like it would be like the heat of hell. You might even think of the fireplace as kind of a portal where she escaped through one furnace to become June. And then, yeah. And like, then basically all that shit that she burned up went from that furnace and sucked all the way through the chimney and into the Waterford's fireplace and then like threw up on the floor and then there's offered again. 
I think I think you're 100 percent right. I I really I appreciated the symbolism of the sort of square behind her in that if you looked at the way that they shot several scenes. So when she burned up her outfit originally, they put the camera on one side of that furnace and she put her clothes in to burn them. And then when she was getting yanked out of that plane, it was the same thing. It was like a square opening and she was being pulled through the square that time to be yanked out of it. Yeah. And then now you have the same thing with the square with the fireplace behind her. And now, like you said, she's sort of being like reborn from the flames here. Yeah. It is. It's intense to say the least. That's the best word I can say. Intense. I know a lot of our friends and, and family who watch this have used the same words like nightmares. Please don't binge it. Please take it little by little because it is so intense. It's so much to think about. And this one might might break some people because, I mean, June herself is broken. So I feel it. I feel it might. You know, I mean, there's a lot of the moments, you know, Walking Dead, you could you could pinpoint a moment when people were like, and this is too much for me. This actually might be the episode that makes people be like, I don't think I can go back into this again. Like I was feeling hopeful and I thought I could be a part of this journey. But if we're going right back into the Waterford's house, I don't know if I can be along much more. You know, I think that there's a chance. We've only seen Serena Joy choking, slapping, scowling, hating. And then the very last time we see her, we oh have to get the my God. we have to get this bizarre baby spooning. Oh my God. Right? She was, was that not weird. But correct me if I'm wrong, but she was not paying any affection toward Alfred slash June. She was there to to have closeness to the baby only. Right. Absolutely. I think that she was pretending like June wasn't even there. Alfred wasn't even there. That's why she was like so close up on her. She was like almost faking like it was like an extension of like her own stomach. Mm. Yeah. And she was so she was giving her the mama. Blah, 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 blah. (laughs) So ickety. So gross. Um, Yeah. No, Serena Joy, you guys scares me point blank. There's nothing about Serena Joy or Fred that makes me feel like they're going to be fantastic parents. They are both freaks. They are both like unbelievably unstable. And I mean, I if I was the the um, CPS officer in town, I would be marking them down with a big fat X on my map for like, keep checking in on them a whole, <laughs> whole lot. There is some suspicious activity in that household. In Gilead, CPS actually means Commander Protective Service. Oh, I like it. I like it. Um, So the very last scene is that other end of the bookend that I was explaining about Nick and June. And now she is no longer June. She has most definitely, she went and she slept on the floor in the closet that night after Serena Joy did her spooning. And she felt on the the wall and the etchings were gone uh, from the... from the previous handmaid and herself and it was gone and she realized like not only am I back to where I was it's even worse now some bastard ground it down right (laughs) that's exactly right they actually ground it down you're exactly right painted right over it Mm. so um were you surprised that she didn't answer Nick at all and she just walked straight out yes but that just confirmed that she is now laying so low that that for all intents and purposes, June is completely underground and Offred is the only part of the personality that she's going to let show for a while. Which I think is fair and honestly the only thing you really could do. I will tell you one of the most confusing parts of that scene was the idea that anyone is allowing 
Alfred or June to walk outside those gates unescorted. That seemed absolutely ridiculous. I think there'd be like a little double secret probationary period. Uh, I think she's on like uh, like quadruple secret probation, Paul. I think that Lydia would have one arm. SJ would have the other. If you're going to like step foot outside, it is going to be like, you know, either that or she's like lugging a ball and chain behind her. Like, why would she get so much freedom there at the very last second? I think, I guess it could only be because she has embraced being offered. And that could be the only thing they're trying to show us. That's the only thing I could see. If you were the commander, you might be like, um, I'm going to need a, a couple of weeks of, of good behavior before, you know, you're solo. Otherwise, I'm sending a guy with a gun to follow you around. Dude, I would think a guy with a gun, all t- even under the guise of kidnapper protection. Right. For your you own would, yes, protection. Right? Yes. You would send something because even no matter how you wanted to look at it, you would think they, she wouldn't be allowed to go anywhere alone. Well, in that last thing that she's just sort of like chanting to herself. We've been, we've been sent good weather. We've been sent good weather. We've been sent good weather. It's like she just wants. <laughs> it's it's like her. It's not. It's not that her mind is broken or exactly. It's more like she just wants to stay on script now. I think that you're right. I think that that is exactly the symbolic staying on script that we got there. Well, we hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. I know that this is so difficult. Please take it slow, slow, slow. If you are enjoying the general ideas of this story, we really encourage you to check out Westworld from the beginning, season one, and Colony because crazy we cover these three shows and it is wild that there are like actual portions of the script that are identical y'all so there may be portions that you find a little bit of a different twist on it this one is very realistic whereas colony has a lot more sci-fi overtones westworld has a more futuristic overtone and so if you like this one please check out westworld and colony come on over and check our podcast out on dailyreview.com and so many shows.com both of those are on facebook and twitter yeah there's radio show that we do called sms on air or tv talk we uh, co-host mondays and wednesdays but they uh they're on every night uh of the week except for saturday and sunday uh yeah so thanks for listening bye catch us on itunes or your preferred podcast software our website dailyreview.com that's d-a-l-e-y review.com facebook or twitter or wherever you find us please leave us a comment and a rating to let us know what you think of the show thanks for listening pot people thanks for listening to my mom and dad you don't have to go home but you can't stay here just go home folks